Hey, Barstool listeners, you can find every episode of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost. My turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. Hey, everybody. Welcome on back. It's the uh, Rubbin' is Racing podcast. Uh, it's brought to you by NASCAR. I know it's usually Spider's Place to scoop stuff like this, but I uh, had a dinner with NASCAR last week, and it uh, looks like they are uh, renewing their relationship with us for another season. So for Let's people go. who are wondering or wishing that we weren't going to come back next season, uh, y'all can go fuck yourself. Now, so we're uh, so NASCAR, we're going to do, be doing a bunch of, more races next season. We're going to be getting a bunch more of the talent in-house at Barstool involved. And we are thrilled. We're thrilled with the way that it's gone with NASCAR so far. And we're going to try and keep this thing going. Um, this week is Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 400. Way too big of a name. Way too fucking big of a name for a Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost. My turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. All right, so in the round of 16, we had Larson win at Darlington. We had Reddick win at Kansas, and now we have Denny winning in Bristol. The round of 12, which is coming up, we're going to go Texas, Talladega, and Roval. We'll start off this uh, podcast as we normally do, and that's with headlines. For the third year in a row, it was announced this week that the clash at the L.A. Coliseum is back. It's going to be Sunday, February 4th. It's not a points race, as everyone knows. It hasn't been a points race. It'll continue to not be a, a points race, kind of an exhibition. Um, how do you guys feel about it? You looking forward to the clash? I've always said it's a better race to go to than to watch on TV. What do you think? I think they do a good job with it, but I don't know that it should be this long-lasting. I think part of the, the novelty of it is the fact that it's kind of like a one-off event. If it becomes an annual event, that kind of loses its cool. I'm not saying they shouldn't race there, but... Um, I would like to see them eventually go to a different track, different city, different football stadium, and do the same thing, get more fans in on the sport. Quiggs? I, I just don't see like that race ever becoming something that everyone's excited for every year, other than the fact that it's the first like NASCAR event. Like it's it's not great what it is. Like for something to be like I don't know, once you get past two years and you're going to the third are they planning on doing this 20 years from now? Um, I think I kind of I think I back when they did North Wilkesboro All Star Race, I was saying I feel like they should make that uh, the first race of the year or kind of bring back like old uh, tracks that have never been run. Like I think that would have a lot more like of an impact. I think it'd be cooler than doing the the Coliseum again. 
Well, drivers haven't been shy, and drivers are often shy about commenting on anything, as we know, but they haven't been shy about saying how much of a pain in the ass it is to go out to L.A. for this, right? They don't get paid a lot of money to go and do this exhibition and then come back for Daytona to then go back out to the West Coast. Just from a logistics standpoint, it's a nightmare. So I, I think that the way that it opens up into a new market in L.A., and you see the the people who are in the stands are a lot of first-time race uh, goers. So it is very cool. But I think, to Spider's point, it's a big fucking country that's filled with a ton of different arenas, coliseums. Maybe there's something different about the L.A. Coliseum, which lends itself into being a small track. I know it's probably bigger than most football stadiums, right, because there's a track around it. But I got to believe there's someplace else in the country. Or maybe start in L.A. and then start your West Coast, like, jaunt, right? Do the West Coast stuff where you're in Phoenix and Las Vegas and whatnot, and then come back and do Daytona three or four races into it. I don't know. It just it just seems like they're shooting themselves in the foot uh, from a logistics standpoint. We'll probably be there again. And like I said, it's a ball. If you're yeah. a West Coast guy, show up to that thing. They always have like somebody like really cool doing the um, doing the concerts there and stuff. So it's a ball. We love going to it. But yeah, maybe share the wealth here. Like uh, spread it around. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff that was uh, announced this week as far as tracks go outside of that. Both of the Bristol Motor Speedway races next season will be on the concrete. After three years where the spring race at the track was done with the cars on tons of dirt piled on these high-banked, like, short track, NASCAR will have the two races on the concrete next year. I love the idea of dirt racing. I don't think that this next-gen car really took well to it, so I'm okay with this. And I think we spoke about it the first time. If there was another dirt, true dirt track that they wanted to then go to to race on, that would probably make more sense to me. So I'm okay with two Bristol concrete races. You guys cool with that or no? Yeah, I'm with you on, on this one, Large. I think Bristol is one of the best tracks on the whole circuit, and uh, part of it lost its luster when they covered it in dirt. It was a cool experiment, but um, I'm of the opinion that they should take it to traditional dirt tracks, something that uh, – was naive fans like myself, we're only really watching like what you see on TV or what you see on Sunday, Cup Series for the most part. I'm unfamiliar with these dirt tracks. I would love to see NASCAR uh, capture and and sell one of these like main crown jewel uh, dirt tracks in the NASCAR Cup Series. I don't think it should be Bristol. Show me an authentic, real dirt track. Yeah, I mean Brist- Bristol's Bristol. You don't if it's not like broke, don't fix it. I don't think you yeah. need to throw dirt on it. You're gonna get a a good race on on the pavement no matter what and i think the but i don't yeah go ahead i don't think it was a total failure like it was a cool thing to try i'm glad that they're pulling the plug on it now and not trying to like force it forever but yeah it wasn't awful but you don't you don't need to do that at bristol i don't think and i think it's what we were just saying it relates back to the la coliseum thing like they've done it now for three years on the spring race and they're going to move on. They'll move back to concrete, and perhaps there is a dirt track in our future uh, somewhere else. Um, one last thing I'm going to say about tracks. NASCAR is not competing at Road America in 2024. Season ticket holders were told over the weekend that for the first time since 2009, Road America will not host a NASCAR race next year. This doesn't seem like one of those things where NASCAR is stepping away forever, but they're going to take a little bit of a – it's a short-term breakup. 
with uh, they're going to agree to see other people. So if people who are big fans of the racing at Road America uh, or who have like tickets to go to see race at Road America, you're fucked in 2024. That's just the way that it is. You I know. like that track. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it was really fun. They, I think um, they had it there 4th of July, maybe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the race there. And, uh, yeah, I had a really good time watching that race for whatever reason. I just remember, you know, obviously I watch every week, but that race stuck out to me like, damn, this is cool. Also, um, that's one of the road courses I'm fond of, so it's, I'm fine with it being on the schedule. I would prefer it to be on the schedule than some of these other ones, to be honest. Yeah, that's got to be such a big hit to a track. Just because, I don't know, like tracks are massive. They probably have so much maintenance and like you're getting your your payday off of a few events a year. Like just getting one of those like taken away from you has to like kill tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I didn't even think about that. But even from like a concession worker standpoint, whatnot, that's got to really hit him in the wallet. Uh, speaking about the wallet, BJ McLeod got the bag. When I heard that Spire, uh, well, excuse me, when LiveFast sold their charter to Spire for $40 million, one of the things that I felt bad about was that BJ would no longer be wheeling a car next year because that charter is now gone. But I didn't realize that he's one of the three owners of LiveFast. So BJ McLeod just fucking cashed a check, and I couldn't be happier. These charters now have gone up from being three or four million dollars uh, just a couple of years ago to now, and you know, let's let's call it what it is. Uh, you know, this LiveFast group is basically you know lap cars going for forty million. Um, congratulations! Uh, I, I I think that's great for, and he can either do well, he can do a couple of things because he still has his his tentacles his thick fingers in, I think, truck and Xfinity. So he's still going to see... I shouldn't have said thick fingers. That was kind of fucking I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't know. He's like... But he's one of those guys I wanted in the bar fight, BJ McLeod. He's the guy who has, like, the affliction uh, paint scheme. So he kind of scares the shit out of me. And now he's got a fucking uh, pocket full of money. So congratulations to him. Um, He's the best. Yeah. And then the, the corresponding headline with that, Zane Smith is being brought up. So Spire apparently has... The, one of those relationships with Trackhouse. So Zane Smith will now be wheeling a car for Spire next year and having a relationship with Trackhouse where Trackhouse, you know, gives them support on a couple of different levels. I'm going to go right to you, Spider. How do we feel about Zane? And we've had Zane on the show. Um, we've had him on the show and we put his, his feet to the fire as far as what he ate at Long John Silver. He failed miserably when we asked him, by the way. Uh, but how do we feel about <laughs> Zane Smith? <laughs> Being in a Spire slash Trackhouse car in the Cup Series next year. Well, speaking of failed miserably large, I think the, the, that can be said about Ford here. Yeah. Uh, Ford loses another their top prospect, in my opinion. I don't even know who else they have waiting in the wings. We just see um, Toyota seems to have a surplus of guys between Ty Gibbs, John Hunter making his rookie year next year. You got Sammy Smith. There's there's a line of people to come at Toyota and even Chevy. You got guys lined up, but Ford, it's like, I don't know. They let Zane Smith get away. He was the their most promising young prospect in my opinion, and now I don't really know who that is. Hopefully, this means um, good things for my friends Riley Herbst and Haley Deegan. Hopefully, they can move up the ladder. But uh, disappointing for Ford. Yeah, and congrats. Like, I don't even know how Trackhouse is. Congratulations. I didn't say. I'm, I'm super stoked. Oh, yeah. I also want to say yeah, I think- I'm pumped to watch Zane in, in the Cup Series, Um, and I think he's going to do good. And I think hopefully this car should be pretty competitive 
we'll we'll see. We'll see. I think it's going to be much more competitive with the help of Trackhouse. But Trackhouse now yeah. has to also find a couple of spots for SVG next year, who's going to be, you know, some cup, some Xfinity, some truck, from what I understand. So uh, they're going to have their hands full. So hopefully Zane gets as much uh, attention as he needs to succeed in the uh, in the cup level. But, yeah, friend of the firm, friend of the show, so wish him nothing but good luck. Rocket ship of a fiancé. I don't think he's married yet. So you know I always love to follow up on that shit, bonk. And uh, so good luck. Congratulations to Zane Smith. The calling deal wasn't um, – as big as what we thought, right? They had teased that handshake photo and people ripped it apart like the Sapruder film. Spider and I both commented on it saying that he thought it was Bubba Wallace, which I thought was very funny, and I thought it was Tony Bridinger, which was a little bit less funny. Um, but it winds up it's going to Daniel Hemrick. He'll drive the number 31 car in 2024. This is after Justin Haley moved from Colic to Rick Ware, for people who don't remember. And everyone's like, ooh, what's Justin Haley doing? And then Hemrick is a 32-year-old driver, not a young guy. He's returning to the Cup Series after four years away. So this is like a John Hunter Nemechek story almost. Um, his run in the RCR number 8 car in 2019 was not very successful. He only had one top five in that year in 2019. But he's an Xfinity Series champion in 21, and Kolek is ban- uh, uh, banking that he'll be better in this next-gen car. So, yeah, so that's one of the new guys. When we have guys who are up for Rookie of the, near- of the Year next year, we're going to have some old heads like Hemrick and then Josh yeah. Berry. It's not going to be these fresh-faced yeah. people, yeah. Um, I, will, will Daniel Hemmer count as a rookie next year? I don't think he will, well, right? I guess, will John Hunter and him not count as? I don't know how that works. Do but uh, a good question. They both have made substantial amount of starts in the Cup Series. But, uh, yeah, I'm a little bit underwhelmed with the with the signing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm a fan of Daniel Hemrick. I respect and appreciate um, his skill. I rooted for him when he was at RCR. And I like the fact that we're getting to see these veteran guys, um, like you mentioned, Josh Berry, just a second ago, Large. Him and Daniel Hemrick, two guys uh, on the wrong side of 30. I'm making that sound super old. Yeah, but um, compare, in, in the Xfinity field, staked with young kids, these guys are, are fighting to get onto the Cup Series, and, and I'm glad to see that pay off for them. Um, colleague has been pretty loyal to Hemrick, so it's good to see him get rewarded. But at the same time, I don't know. This kind of is weird to me because looking back, like the Justin Haley news was like breaking, shocking. I didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. So for them to replace him with Daniel Hemrick is like, what do we, what's, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he saw more value in the, in the multi-year deal um, with Rick Ware, but it just seems strange to me. To me, if you're going to be showing him the door, not re-signing Justin Haley, it should be for good reason, whether that be SVG or uh, Zane Smith or, Austin Hill, no, I don't. It's, Noah? it's just crazy. No, yeah, Noah. I mean, it, to me, they they this whole rumor first started with Austin Hill leading the charge for the car, right. and then for, to see him stick with RCR and re, not really have a clear path to Cup in the immediate future is pretty stunning. So, I don't know, kind of mild, underwhelmed move from Hendri- uh from from colleague rather. Excuse me. Um, and then one of the other young punks, so um, Carson uh, Hosevar. Okay, so we all know that John Hunter will be jumping uh, in with Legacy Motor Club for 2024. But in the meantime, Carson Hosevar was brought in to wheel the 42 for a couple of races, and it looks like they're signing him for the next two. So he's going to be uh, behind the wheel of the 42 for both Texas and Talladega. Just finished 11th at Bristol. Carson Hosevar is a hot commodity. 
He's a hot commodity. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm waiting for some sort of, I don't know, announcement for that kid too. But we're going to see him again uh, two times at Texas at an intermediate, and then we're going to see him in the super speedway at Talladega, and I can't wait. Uh, this was something that hit, I believe, this morning or last night. Rackley parted ways with Matt Benedetto with just three races left in the truck season. Um, at the start of the 2022 season, uh, he signed Matt D, Matt D who's a friend of the firm, uh, signed with Rackley in the truck series. And just a few weeks ago, it was announced that he would not return for the 2024 season. And normally, as far as I know, most you know, owners or teams let the guy finish out the season, unless there's some sort of extenuating circumstance. But Rackley said no. They said that they're going to bring in after Matt D missed the cut line by five points at Kansas. They said they took the 25 truck away from him and is going to have uh, different drivers for the last three races. And Matt said publicly, no words can express the disappointment I'm feeling right now and also not being able to finish the season out. So I don't know. To me, if somebody is not going to be with the team next year, maybe get them out. Like I just said, Carson Hosevar is going to do the next couple of races in the 42. I don't even like that, really. Like I would think they might want to get John Hunter behind the fucking wheel, right, just to get him some reps. So, you know, on the outset, I don't find this to be that big of a deal. But from what I understand, this is a real break in decorum for a NASCAR team and at the end of the day, Matt D got fucked. Am I reading this wrong? Yeah, no, I think I think you like the way it usually works is you let your guy race out the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and he seemed pretty blindsided by it from the way he tweeted. Like it, it didn't seem like it was something that he was expecting. But I guess the owners were kind of like, "Hey, if you're leaving us, we have no loyalty. Let's get somebody else in that in that seat." But I don't know. I think I think the play is you let him race it out but i saw something online i don't know i don't follow the truck series close enough to know this but i'm pretty sure that this team has done this exact move like recently within the last two or three years with another driver they they fired in mid-season we also saw i mean granted obviously very different circumstances i'm not trying to compare these but noah gregson was shown the door mid-season as well so it's not completely unheard of but back to your thing, Large, about um, Carson Hosevar. It is interesting to me, like, Hosevar is running the, the 42 car pretty, you know, a lot, of, a lot of reps in that car, whereas they already have signed Josh, uh, John Hunter. Is it just because they're still Chevys that Carson's getting that opportunity? Like, if they were a Toyota team now, is John Hunter getting those looks? To me, if you're going to fire a guy midseason, you already know who you're going to replace him with you bring that replacement in ASAP. You give him the rest of the, the races on the schedule. It is also interesting, this team was thrown around about a potential landing spot for Noah Gregson, so we'll see what comes of that. Could they be making room to have Noah, who's recently reinstated by NASCAR, potentially drive their truck? That's. I think the difference with DiBenedetto is it's less about getting the new guy in there and more about getting Matty D out. Like, yeah. it seems more like a spite thing than, like, because I, I don't think they really even know who's, or whoever they have driving is not of any significance. It's not the guy who's taking the 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 seat next year, I don't think. Like, I think it's more about getting him out than getting someone new in. And so I, I feel, I think at the end of the day, I feel uh, I'm Team Benedetto on this one. 
even though I think it does make sense to have, if you had somebody locked up, which it doesn't seem like they do, to get into that seat. I didn't even think about it in those terms with um, manufacturers uh, with Legacy Spider, but it does make a little bit of sense as far as John Hunter versus Carson Hosovar. Um but either way, um, open that, you know, Matt has an announcement coming up in the next couple of days. If Noah was to come back and wheel the, the 25 truck for the last three races, that'd be pretty fucking cool, though, to be honest with you. That would be fun. Yeah. I saw him doing some sort of uh, small track race, and I forget ASA. where he was at. Yeah, it was but like I... ASA somewhere. I'd seen that last week. Um, finally, uh, this one I might spend a little bit of time at. We don't have a, a guest this week. You know, as, a, as the playoffs start to get deeper and deeper, it does get a little more difficult to line people up at the time that you need them. We don't have a guest this week, so I might spend an inordinate amount of time with this. But uh, Sherry Pollux, a fixture in the NASCAR garage who championed childhood cancer research and treatment and whose fight against ovarian cancer over the last nine years served as an inspiration to many, died this week at the age of 44. Um, so when you are watching the race at Texas Motor Speedway this weekend, there will be a moment of silence for this extraordinary woman. Uh, there'll be a decal um, of hers on every one of the cars. That's pretty cool. And then her name uh, or her logo will be painted on the infield. And if you've been to a race, that's something huge. And you'll be able to see where you can donate to, uh, to everything that Sherry was a huge part of. Huge champion for pediatric cancer and then when she was diagnosed with her own cancer she became a huge champion uh fighting against ovarian cancer absolutely extraordinary woman nobody has anything bad to say about her she was in a relationship with martin truex for nearly 20 years and before the season had started sometime in january they had announced that they had parted ways i believe that they had said that they were keeping this one kind of close to the vest they didn't make any kind of overt comments on why they had broken up or anything like that. And to be quite honest with you, it's none of our fucking business. But Sherry, who's a, a fixture at the track, has unfortunately passed away. And Martin Truex was, you know, her partner. Like, if you see any of Martin's races when he won the cup or anything like that, like when he won the championship, it was him and Sherry. Uh, you know, excuse me. It was him. And, yeah, it was him and Sherry. Pollux and Truex, which is kind of cool. Um, so they were fixtured together in NASCAR. Martin put out a statement. Uh, this is what I'm going to get into, guys, if you're cool with it. Martin put out a statement, as he should have, and the statement had said, from the very minute of her diagnosis, Sherry was determined to not only fight ovarian cancer with everything she had, but also make a difference in the lives of others battling this terrible disease. Sherry's passion for making a difference in the lives of others was inspiring to everyone. Through her tireless charity work for so many years, her legacy will live well beyond our lifetimes and continue to help countless families who are battling ovarian and childhood cancer. I would like to extend, extend my deepest condolences to her entire family who have shown incredible strength and resilience throughout her battle and it's signed martin truex jr how do you guys feel about that that uh press release from martin does anyone have a problem with that at all no i don't think you're like really allowed to have a problem with like i don't think so either. anybody's like way of like expressing themselves after someone dies like i i know like i i would not really even want to like have a public statement about something like that like, let alone want it to be, like, critiqued when I do put something out. Right. Spider? Yeah. Martin Truex, like, barely, like, speaking to the media as is. He's a pretty reserved, quiet guy. Like, to Quiggs' point, I'm sure, I mean, obviously, he didn't want to have to write this statement. But he's got a lot of shit going on between dealing with this and, you know, expectations, racing. Like, he, 
he's not worried about what people are going to think of what his statement looks like. And again, what Quig said, everyone has a different way of like mourning and grieving. I'm not about to be judging, casting judgment or throwing stones on how people deal with losing someone in their life. So I don't know. I'm team Martin on this one. I didn't have any issue with it. People like my wife, who's a huge Martin Truex fan, Marty, she calls him. I'm uncomfortable with that. Uh, but she had read it. She's like, oh, that's kind of cold. Like from her perspective, yeah. she thought that it was kind of clinical and perhaps written by a PR guy. And yeah. again, it, she it, wasn't it saying, sounds... yeah, she wasn't saying it in a dig, but, and then I did explain to her, you know, the only time we got a rise out of Martin here is one, when he found out that I was a jinx and two, when he found out that we went fishing. Like otherwise yeah. he does kind of go right down the middle. He shows up for work, drives and goes home. Um, so, so I can understand somebody might say to themselves, eh, that was a little bit, you know, corporate yeah, if, or prepared. If you covered up the name on it, like what it was signed and it's like, who do you think put this out? You're probably not going to guess like a partner of 17 years was the one who made that statement. Yeah. And, and again, Spider said it perfectly. People grieve in different ways. And some people don't have the desire nor the skill set to write weepy odes to passed away loved ones. And that's fucking okay. Reason I mention this, Danica Patrick, she, she not quote tweets, she puts this thing on her Instagram story. By the way, Danica Patrick is followed by nearly a million people. And she puts Martin's statement. And above it, she puts her own statement. I avoid negativity on social at almost all costs. Almost. But this is the most insensitive, disconnected statement from a guy that I have never liked. Guy that I've never liked. And obviously for good reason. I don't care what happened between them, but this is as cold as it gets. A PR rep wrote this guaranteed, you're free from this now, Sherry, with a heart emoji. I got to be honest. When I read this, I had asked a couple of people, am I missing something? Like, is there some sort of huge despicable history between either Martin and Sherry or Martin and Danica? And even if there was, this wasn't the time or the place for this myopic fucking moron to write something like this. So as far as people have been sort of pussyfooting around with this, too, on podcasts and obviously on NASCAR promoted thing. And I don't know how much a relationship NASCAR has with Danica Patrick, but this Please don't let me use the C word. This girl should be fucking embarrassed. Use it. She should be fucking embarrassed because what she had done here was took something that is a legitimate tragedy. Legitimate tragedy. Sherry Pollux was taken from us way too young. Way too young. And she turned it into something about herself. And here's the fucking news flash. She doesn't fucking matter. Like Danica Patrick doesn't fucking matter particularly with this. So if there was an extenuating circumstance, what Danica Patrick should have done in this case was shut the fuck up about it. And that's the way that it should have went down. I miss my friend Sherry. By the way, Danica Patrick wrote an ode to Sherry that looked like it was from a fucking two-bit Hallmark card. It was embarrassing to read. So if you want to start pulling shit apart, her shit's not perfect. Nothing about her is fucking perfect, so she should just shut the fuck up. That's my personal statement on Danica Patrick commenting and saying, by the way, you're free from this now, Sherry. I don't know why. That infuriates me. That yeah, that's fucking, a, that line kind of like 
that infuriates me. Martin Truex will never comment on this. I don't think anyone should ever ask him about this piece of shit saying this about him. Honestly, I don't think anyone ever should because it's absolutely embarrassing. It's out of left field. I don't want you to cancel anybody, honest to God, because I say some inappropriate stuff all the time, but I'll stand by it. This should be taken down. She shouldn't be embarrassed or she should have a fucking PR rep do her stuff for the rest of the time. Sounds like an absolute fucking moron. Um, so anyway, that's not what people should take away. from. Do you guys have any disagreement? I know Quiggs had come in saying, oh, I'll, I'll play the Danica role. I'll, well, I'll stick up for her. I, I thought that there was maybe something to it because I the the way she was talking, I was like, oh, there must have been like something that Truex did that was very like, I don't know. I, and I don't even want to like put examples, but like, I don't know, like cheating on like his girlfriend who's going through like uh, cancer treatment and stuff like that. Like I was like, there must be something that like, oh, as like a best friend, she knows this is happening. And I just like really didn't see any of that and it's just very like i don't know i don't i don't think you can take that aside unless like there's something awful that we don't know but i just don't think like she's yeah i don't know spider this is less than a day this saint is dead for less than a day and this person puts out something where she says from a guy that i never liked so that right away gives it the like the feel of a personal vendetta you know what I mean? Yeah, it's. And I don't it, care. What there's definitely to... ulterior motives. Yeah. Like she has to have a. Per- obviously, she has personal beef with Martin Truex. But to me, this is a bitch-made move. Like you can't. Like you can't snoop to this level unless everyone else is privy to like what happened. With no context, just trashing Martin Truex the day that his fucking partner of 17 years died. Is it crazy? Yeah. So again, I, I, like I think we would be put through the ringer if we were to just start calling her names and whatnot, because I know that's something that kind of comes back to bite people in the ass. But in the same way that somebody had once told LeBron James to shut up and dribble, I think that Danica Patrick should truly shut the fuck up in this case and possibly put out a apology to the Pollux family and the Truex family, because that is an absolute disgrace. Um, all right, so that's it. So uh, that made my head hurt. Like, honestly. You just, cooked her ass, Lars. Yeah, I, I apologize. R.I.P. Danica, yeah. too. I mean, she's, I talking, she's dead after that. I was just that. talking to Annie about, like, Annie's, you know, when her dad died. Like, imagine if somebody brought that up, like, when somebody yeah. real to you die, dies and they bring and up like, some sort of personal event. The, There's nothing Martin could have done that would make that timing correct. Like you yeah. saying cheat, like we, we can make we can make stuff up, but I don't want to because yeah, be I didn't even a, want to do like fake yeah. examples because yeah, like, like, I don't know. yeah, like Martin could have been responsible for the terrorist attacks in 9-11. We'll put something wild out there. That's yeah. not the fucking time nor place to all of a sudden put out a cryptic message to a million people on Instagram. This isn't somebody who's shouting into a pillow or said it over dinner with a couple of friends. She put it out to a million people. Fuck you, Danica Patrick. All right, um, let's move on. Uh, We're going to go to this week's race. We'll do the recap and the over-under. And it's brought to you. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Oh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. All righty. 
Uh, good weekend of racing. I thought it was a good weekend of racing starting with Friday. Did you guys see anything in that? What, see any of that Dale Jr. clip? Dale Jr. Uh, fucking had – so obviously the cup race was on uh, Saturday night. The Xfinity race was Friday. Dale Jr. was running in it. He had the lead for a while. People thought maybe Dale Jr. had the ability to win a race, and everyone got really excited about it. He had a fire inside his car where it burnt like his fire suit. The woman who was interviewing him afterwards said, wow, Dale, you smell like uh, you smell terrible. And he said he pointed down, and like his whole bell bottom was, was charred. Burnt but, off. Yeah, yeah, which was <laughs> – the guy's just a fucking stud. But then one of the guys for JR Motorsport um, was it uh, – a little gator, Algar, Justin Algar, our guy, winds up winning. <laughs> and when Algar comes in to drive into victory lane, uh, Big Gator, his dad, who's the biggest uh, tire salesman in the Midwest, guy's a fucking stud, goes and sits in the window on the passenger side of his son's car. I think he had an American flag or a checkered, one of them, American or a checkered flag. And then Dale sits in Algar's window, like on the thing. And that's how he drove into victory lane. Just, it was. I, and unfortunately for JR Motorsports, everybody else with them had crashed. Cost them a lot of money to run this race. Everybody fucking wrecked, but they came away with a win, and they had that spot where everyone was uh, cheering for Dale Jr. again. It was a great Friday night. It was, it was a great Friday, excuse me, um, for uh, for Xfinity and for race fans. Um, and then Saturday came along. Saturday came along. Uh, you know, we were on Bristol, and we lost four drivers, obviously. Uh, we uh, reigning champ Joey Logano got into lap 262 crash with Corey LaJoy. Uh, we lost Michael McDowell and Ricky Stenhouse, even though they both had top 10 finishes. It just wasn't enough. And unfortunately, we lost Kevin Harvick. Um, what's the biggest surprise out of those four? Out of those four guys that we had lost, who are you guys most disappointed with? I, I would say Logano. I would say Logano just because I think he... I mean, he looked better than Harvick this year, in my opinion, and I expected more from him in the playoffs. Um, so, I didn't have him in my first four out. I'd, I'd agree with that from like a actual skill and like Logano, in a way, like could win the whole, could have won the whole thing this year. That's just like how he is. He can strain together races. I was just disappointed that it's like not not the end of Harvick's like career, but essentially, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, like don't get me wrong, I w- I was rooting for Harvick to stay alive, but I'm not surprised that he's out unfortunately. Bubba made it through and like was a little bit cocky about it and people won't really talk about his cockiness because obviously Denny Hamlin's involved, but Bubba had did that thing where he's sitting next to his his car giving the shh type thing to all the haters. He was pretty emotional afterwards, but congratulations to him because I think we all had him going out in the first round, but he made it to the round of 12. Uh, the race was fine. Chris Bell uh, won stage one and stage two. Kyle Larson and Denny were put to the back of the pack um, for speeding violations, and they both clawed their way back up to P1, P2. Uh, Kyle Larson is having a first-round playoff uh, performance for the ages in the first three races of this playoff season i think he's averaging um a two and a half you know which is just absolutely fantastic i saw an interview with him yesterday and the young lady doing the interview said there's so much for people to watch um kyle you know with football being in full blown you know being in full season she was like do you follow football like that's what she said to kyle larson 
And Kyle Larson's like, nah, you know, all he does is fucking race. It's race all guy. he does. All he does. He'll race four times, you know, this week in different type of cars. Kyle Larson is a no bullshit, 100% pure racer, and he's having a great playoffs. But it was Denny, uh, Denny Hamlin. Denny's his third win of the season, his third career win at Bristol. It's his 51st career win. He got his 50th at Pocono, I believe. And it's his seventh season with at least three wins. So congratulations to Denny. And I think he gave the all-time uh, quote after the win. Um, when the crowds were booing him afterwards and they had a microphone in his face and he yelled out to the crowd, I just beat all your favorite drivers. And then the guy interviewing him said, which one? And he said, um, all of them. Like, that's I, what he said the, to the crowd. The that's interview, The interviewer, the question is, that, like, set him up was great. Yeah. Like that – because if he just let it go, if it, if it was just I just beat your favorite driver, and then Mike goes back in the pocket, doesn't say anything, it's whatever of a quote. But that back and forth on the question was what made it just a stone cold like great clip. Is there anybody better to embrace the villain right now in NASCAR Spider than Denny Hamlin? I don't know about right now. I think he's at the at the prime, the peak of his villainness. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always good for one-liners like like what we heard there. But I think Ross Chastain could have given him a, a run for his money. It seems like at this point last year, Ross was really on that trajectory, and he's since been kind of like neutered or a little bit more reserved with the way he's racing, whereas Denny's kind of went the other way with it and is just like, you know, going crazy. Um, so I think Ross would probably be the guy I could see one-upping him in terms of being a heel, but for whatever reason, he does not seem like he's interested in doing that, at least at this point in his career. And plus, I, I just don't think that Ross has as much to hang his hat on, right? Because he's having a worse season than he did last year. And the same thing with Kyle Busch. Like, Kyle Busch has somehow gone from, you know, heel to hero without even trying. But this is sort of something that I would expect to hear from a Kyle Bush, but honestly, nobody does it better than Denny. And then even in the in the press conference, when you went at Bristol, you know, the last Coliseum they call it, they give you that cool sword. I think Denny's got three of them now. And he said, anyone's got a problem with it? He fucking pulled out the sword. So he really is embracing this whole thing, and I think it's making for better watching. Like, to have somebody to root against is sometimes as important as having somebody to root for. Um, anything that you saw uh, this weekend that would be an over or an under spider? Yeah, I got a few for you, Large. Please. Um, I'm going to start with Chris Busher, P4. Um, he had relatively long odds for the guys that were a legitimate threat to win this race, and um, I think he over-delivered by finishing fourth. He was the best forward. Ty Gibbs finished fifth. Really impressed with him. Um, he's been having a great rookie season despite not making the playoffs and being super close. I've been really impressed with everything I've seen from Ty this year. McDowell cut from the playoffs, but he finished P6. Front row found speed late in this season, and um, I've been really impressed with McDowell despite him getting eliminated. And then my last over is Carson Hosevar finishing 11th. This guy's been fucking unreal, um, and hopefully I'm fairly confident we'll see him in the Cup Series next year. So I'm excited for that, and uh, hopefully he can be look just as sharp as he does with legacy right now for whatever team he's with next year. Anybody, uh, screw the pooch. Any unders? Um, true X. I think he finished around 20th and then 
Logano, but I mean that's no fault to him. So those are my two underwhelmers, but some context is essential for those. Yeah. Um, I was really surprised with uh, this isn't really related at all. I just randomly thought of this. Um, Austin Sindrick's wreck where he got off airborne like that. That was pretty surprising, especially for like maybe Daytona. You expect that, but Bristol, I expect all the cars to be relatively. You know what word I've heard more this season than like ever? Totally. Oh yeah. Just broken totally. Broken toe link. That I don't I don't know if it's something to do with the next gen cars or it's just something that I'm hearing more this season. It's just broken toe link every every time. It's the crappy ass parts, man. Yeah, brake rotors when we were in uh St. Louis, right? At Gateway. Or Michigan. Heard, was it Michigan? Yeah, Michigan. Or yeah, maybe. Yeah, it might have been Gateway. Um yeah, toe links all over the place. We'll tell you over under like Toyota in general. All five that made the playoffs are still alive, and then three of the four Fords that made the playoffs are eliminated. So Ford's got to be an underperformer, right? I think Ryan Blaney might be the the sole Ford left in the playoffs, alive in the playoffs. Uh, Chris Buescher, Brad Kay, but Blaney's the only non-RFK. Um, right, right. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, one last thing I will say before we go on, and did you happen to see the Pacris versus Blaney uh, smoke at the end of the race? Bob oh, I did. He got he got like shouldered, right? Yeah. Bob Pockers, go check it out. So Sirius XM, maybe NASCAR, they had had this young lady was asking a question about Kevin Harvick uh, to Kevin Harvick as Kevin was walking, and so Pockers was trying to maybe like record it on his phone. So he was you know in a bad situation, following along while Harvick was walking, and he blasts into Blaney, like he just bumps him. It bumps him pretty hard. And Blaney turns around like, what the fuck? Now, keep in mind, you know, Blaney just got out of his race car. And, you know, Logano just got. So Blaney gives him a shove. And I was like, oh, this is delicious. A 56-year-old Bob Pockris versus a a 29-year-old Ryan Blaney and Rough and Rowdy. Like, all of a sudden, these things started to go through my head. I wanted all that smoke. Because perhaps Bob Pockris knows jujitsu. I know very little about this fucking guy. But he can be a stone-cold killer. And then Blaney had put out a statement saying that there was some mutual, uh, you know, sorries involved and shit like that. So there will be no smoke. So that's my under. My under is that we're not going to see a uh, Ryan Blaney versus Bob Pockris just fucking square up. Um, but it is what it is. I don't think you can get mad at Bob Pockris. No. So lovable. <laughs> yeah, yeah Blaney definitely just like didn't realize what happened. And then Blaney probably got like ran over by him. Like it probably was like if it was just a bystander it would probably be like hey what are you doing like i'm standing here but it's just bob like trying to get the the cell phone just shot in someone's face yeah did you see bob bob at the bristol phone party yeah it's his his happy place (laughs) that's my favorite tradition every year is just watching bob go crazy whenever they go to bristol (laughs) yeah he's the we have to get him on it we have to get him on we're gonna get him in in studio yeah Yeah, i might have to come come back to new york for that one I, i think you should like, I think if it's one of those ones where you come back, I mean, obviously, if we get, you know, I don't know. But I think Bob Pockris is the one for us to kind of uh, double team him He's here. He's our white whale. For what it is, yeah. Um, all right, so uh, paint schemes. Anything jump out at you from this week? Anything? I mean, we spoke about the Chase Elliott, uh, uh, the Chase Elliott car uh, on last yep. week's show going into this. But I will say, I don't think hyped. it looked as good on, on the track. 
<laughs> yeah. I, I don't uh, know. I, I mean, it it did seem to not have that black and gold bullet that I thought it was going to be. I mean, I think he finished seventh, and he's running out yeah. of races. Um, but, yeah, that was the one we talked about going in. Anything else jump out at you? Yeah, I like the Chase Elliott one. Um, I thought it was fine, despite what Quiggs just said. I thought it looked it held up on the track. Uh, I kind of really like Corey LaJoy's seven um, car this week. This It was a cancer fundraiser scheme. So there's this girl that had cancer. She made these things called Joy Jars, which they basically just pack a jar full of like toys and games and shit for kids. And then they go to the hospitals and bring them to all the kids with cancer. And they're... they're um, She's raised a shit ton of money and delivered a bunch of these to the hospital. So I really liked Corey LaJoy's. That was a nice touch. And then the 2311 cars, um, Reddick's another musical guest. And then Bubba's Columbia 23 looked cool too. I kind of liked the gradient, how it was light up front and got darker as it went back. Those were my winners from this week. Did I miss any quigs? No, I was going to say Bubba's Columbia one. I thought um, Almirola's was kind of weird. It was like he was running. Oh, no two completely different schemes like chopped in half but i guess there's probably some sort of smithfield ihop partnership but i'm glad you mentioned that one that was that was on my top paint schemes a couple weeks ago but i love it yeah i think ihop maybe served smithfield um like bacon and sausages and shit but i I liked it a splash of color on the 10 car this week i won't complain about that yeah they just don't like blend it's just like half the car is ihop half the car is smithfield like it's kind of funny the way they do that they should do, like, left and right instead of front and back. Yeah. I wonder what you would pay more for. Oh, you'd pay more for the side that's not Inside. on the wall the whole time. Right. Yeah. I get. Yeah, because the fans would be the only people seeing the IHOP on the outside. You know, because yeah. very rarely do you get that camera angle, like the top and the inside. Yeah, so you'd probably get it for, like, a discount. Ooh, that would be sad. All of a sudden, IHOP's got, like, the bargain basements. Eh, whatever. Fuck I have. Um, all that I saw going into this week is I kind of like um, when Interstate Batteries does the uh, the lightning bolt, the green lightning bolt. So they're going to be doing it on uh, two of the JGR cars. And so I really like the 54, the way it looks with the uh, the black and green lightning bolts. So keep an eye out for that. I haven't seen anything else uh, really spe- uh, special going into it. Um, we're going to preview uh, this week. Shall I take your order or do you need a minute? Yes, I'll be ready. Just buying a car on Carvana. What? It's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. What? That's handy. Yeah. Now I'm customizing my down and monthly payments. What? That's an exquisite deal. And just like that, Carvana's delivering my car in a couple days. What? Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry. I'll have the burrito. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Delivery fees may apply. 43. We've been th- we've been doing this now, guys, for 43 <laughs> weeks, right? <laughs> Something else. Uh, the 2022 winner was uh, Tyler Reddick. Listen, they're going to be doing 267 laps, and it's going to be 100 degrees. It's going to be one of those ones like you and Richmond, Spider. It's going to be very hot in that car. It's going to be absolutely ferocious on those tires. So it's a point reset for the round of 12. So even though Martin Truex was sweating it out, trying to stay into it in the round of 16, once we get to the round of 12, the points reset. So your top four right now are William Byron, uh, Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin, and Kyle Larson. Those are your top four. And then your bottom four, and I'm going to ask you guys a question about this. Your bottom four are uh, Chastain, Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blaney, and Bubba Wallace. 
right? So they're below the cut line right now for the round of eight with three races to go at Texas Dega and Roval. When I tell you guys, I'm going to ask you guys, outside of those bottom four, which are kind of the obvious answer right now, Chastain, Brett, Kate Blaney, and Bubba, who do you think is the uh, Joey Logano of this round? Who do you think who's not in the bottom four now will ultimately not make it to the round of eight? Does any uh, does any driver jump out at you? Yeah. You do first, Spider. For me, it's Christopher Bell. Um, he's had speed and a great car all season. You look at where this past weekend, he I think he won both the first two stages, and uh, he led a shit ton of laps up front. So the difference is he has a great car. He runs very fast. He wins poles, etc. He cannot put it together in the races. Something always goes wrong, whether it be the pit crew or he gets caught up in traffic or he can't get past lap traffic. There's always something going on with the 20 car. Even now that he's got Ty Gibbs pit crew in, the better of the crews, they're still having issues. That car's still not finishing where it's capable of finishing. So for that reason, and based on what I've seen the last several weeks, um, Christopher Bell is the answer for me. Tyler Reddick looked nasty. Kyle Busch, I'm a little bit concerned about. I mean, Chris Busher, we've seen how he's raced. He's a threat. You guys know how I feel about him. Larson and uh, Larson and Byron are two guys we have championship futures on. And then Truex and Hamlin have really been carrying the torch at Joe Gibbs Racing from my perspective, which leaves Christopher Bell as the odd man out. I like it. That. That probably would have been my pick too. We just kind of we've talked about it a lot. How it's just he's great at some stuff. He's not great at winning. Um, but I'll go for mine. I'll go Chris Buescher. Um, I think he's been overperforming like crazy, and maybe that'll continue. But if that if he stops overperforming, he's not a top eight driver. Um, and ultimately, what this really will be is the guy who, who's in that top eight that doesn't make it is somebody who's just going to be very unlucky and gets a did not finish on a race, and that could be that could be Denny. Like if Denny goes it out and in, in Texas, uh, somebody spins him, he gets in the wall, breaks his toe link. Uh, he's not in a good spot and like might not make it, and no doing of his own. But I'll, I'll go with Chris Busher. Just from the fact that like he's so overperforming that if he goes back to not overperforming, he might not be in that top eight. So none of us are. Who would you take, Lars? None of us are taking guys who are in the top four. Looks like we all are agreement that Byron Truex, Hamlin, and Larson are safe. So we're going for that second four, and we got it pretty well covered with you picking uh, the five seed right now, Chris Busher, and uh, you picking the seven seed. I'm going to thread the needle and take the six. Kyle Busch has been kind of invisible lately and i think that kyle bush has the opportunity to perhaps have you know get sent into the wall and end his day early at talladega there could be things that believe me kyle bush has the opportunity to perhaps win all three races i don't doubt it but if i had to pick one guy that i wouldn't be surprised see not make it to the round of eight i'm gonna go with kyle bush i'm gonna try to remember that because i don't remember who he picked on that first thing but i have kyle not um advancing spider you have uh, bell not advancing and you have busher which i totally disagree with uh Quigs as we're going into yeah. oh, which is tires. fair yeah 100 percent. very so, fair like he's been a beast lately and i'm just kind of going on the maybe he he falls off a little bit uh, do you have time can you stick around for picking the tires uh, uh let, let me go first and and i'll just dip right after that we're gonna go right to picking the tires right now and for everyone to give their uh picks 
uh, for the um, for the Auto Trader Echo something four hundred blah 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 the week uh, this week's race at Texas Motor Speedway. Who do you got? Um, I got Tyler Reddick plus seven hundred to win. I think he's raced here four times. Uh, has a win, two top fives maybe, um, and he's plus. I think he has the highest average finish or lowest average finish of any driver here and getting him at plus 700. I like that a lot. He's the only guy in that second uh, four, that second four that I talked about. He's the only guy that we didn't take. The three of us had left him alone. So, okay, so you like Tyler to win plus 700? I think think at the spot he's at, he's probably feeling like a win would be very important for him to move on. Mm -hmm. Um, And then – Harvick. Harvick's a beast at Texas. He's out of out of the playoffs now, but I don't think for a lot of drivers that would that would affect my, how I how I pick them. I don't think Kevin Harvick changes anything. He's these are the last few races of his career. I don't think he is going to like sit back and do whatever. So I got Kevin Harvick top five plus four fifty. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of people off. have a problem with that because he, you know, like I think a lot of people jumped on him in Bristol. So they're like, fuck it, that's the last time I ever waste money on Kevin Harvick. But yeah, so uh, Harvick, top five plus 450. You want to go, Spider, or you want me? I'm yeah, going to dip out, boys. Take care, Quigs. See you, Quigs. Thank you. About time we got rid of Quigs, huh, Spider? Holy shit. You're fucking That fucking unbelievable. guy. Where do you think he's going? Probably a Hillary convention. A Hillary? No, I think he's getting the Hillary tattoo. Because remember when he had it first oh. done, he didn't have any color in it. So I think they put in the gray hair, right? There you it, go. They had the blue dress. Yeah, I think he's getting the Hillary tattoo retouched. Good riddance. There we go. Go ahead. Um, I think I'm going to go with uh, William Byron plus 650. Although, you know what? Fuck it. Run me three picks here. Go. All outright winners. I'm taking Byron plus 650, Truex plus 800, and Chris Buescher plus 1,000. We got a Chevy, we got a Toyota, and we got a Ford. Um, actually, that's probably really dumb. <laughs> no. I should have... I should have taken Ryan Blaney, who's also 10-1 to 1 as my Ford. He's been great at this track. In uh, four races here, he has four top 10s, as does Brad Keselowski. Four, the last four races, he has four top 10s. Fuck it. Give me five picks this Whoa. week. I'm going with, and with by the those. way, we have some overlap now. You and I have got some overlap. That's bad. So I'm going go ahead. Byron, Truex, Busher, all to win. And then I want Brad K and Ryan Blaney top 10. Okay, now Brad Kay and Ryan Blaney, top 10, are not going to pay you well at all. The reason I know this is because I'm going to take, and I'm writing them down, uh, I got Blaney top three. I got Blaney top three, and he's only he's only paying plus 350. That's a top three. And I got Brad Kay top five, and he's only, playing, only paying plus 175. So you're going minus money mm. to get top 10s on those guys. So keep that in mind. Um, All right, maybe I'll make them top five. Okay, so I got Blaney top three, Brad K top five, and I'm taking Busher to win. I'm taking the plus thousand where I think you're on it with me. So his P4, casual P4 last week, is just becoming commonplace. And he's been on such a tear um, being in the top fives and whatnot since that first win at Richmond. Top fives, top tens. He wins at Richmond, P1. Wins at Michigan, P1. You know, then he goes to Indy, you know, he's, he finished 11th. Uh, Watkins Glen, 7th. Daytona, 1. Darlington, 3. 
Kansas shits the bed, and then Bristol four. This guy is on a tear. And, you know, I, I know that Quiggs is saying he'd be least surprising to kind of get bounced. Like, maybe he's ahead of his skis, perhaps, Quiggs was trying to say. But I'm buying into it. I'm buying into it. I got Busher to win. He's my only outright to win at plus 1,000. We're both now on Brad K plus 175 for a top five. Yep. And do you want to try and, and see what Blaney top five? I took him top three. Now I feel like we just have the same cards. We do. So. We got, no, well, you still have... You still have Byron, you still have Martin, and you still have Blaney, right? Like, oh, no, excuse me, and you still have – no, we do have a lot. We yeah, have Busher, Brad, and Blaney. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'll just – maybe I'll take Brad K or uh, Chris Busher off and just add RFK to win. RFK to win. That is probably a better bet. RFK to win. So Byron winning at plus 650, Martin uh, to win, RFK to win, and then Blaney top five. Is that probably about right? Yeah. Yeah, I made a mess of this week's card, but fuck <laughs> it. We'll, we'll stick with that. All right, okay. I got you. All right, so we're uh, we're all over it. Um, everybody enjoy the race this Sunday, 3.30 on USA, and we'll speak to you next week. Oh, wait. Hold on a sec. Before we go, we have another. What do we got? Tune into Barstool's most dangerous game show. We're four episodes deep. A lot of drama coming down to the line. No spoilers, but definitely worth watching. Someone's going home with $25,000 out of me and my seven Barstool co-workers that spent a week in the mountains of Colorado doing the most dangerous fear factor game show challenges you can think of. So if you haven't, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. Don't miss the finale. People are getting pushed out of planes. People are getting covered in maggots. People are swimming with fucking yep. snakes. This isn't one of those things where, you know, it's it. This is stuff that if they asked me to do it, I would have said no. My my old ass heart couldn't take it. And Spider is doing all of this shit. So tune in and see whether or not, you know, obviously I'm pulling for a spider. He gets a shot at 25K. Outside of that, we'll see you guys at the track at Roval. That's the next one we're going to. Then we'll see you again at the track at Phoenix. We may have a something to announce about that race in Phoenix in the next couple of weeks. And, uh, and that's it. Uh, thanks very much. We'll see you next week. I'm rubbing his racing.